Hello, I'm Curtis Bowers, and this is Agenda Weekly. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. Uh, we appreciate you greatly, and I want to thank you. You've got so many just kind emails and letters, some of you even sending some gifts, and I just uh, I want to thank you for that. It means a lot to us to know you're out there and that we're able to connect each week in this way. And um, I don't know, it's just been a real blessing, but I want to thank you for that. And those that watch on all the different platforms, thank you for doing that. Please like and subscribe and comment and share with others because the truth is very powerful. When, when people sometimes that have been deceived by something finally see the truth and hear the truth, it helps them understand what they were taught is wrong and it sets them free from those lies. So it's a very important thing we can all do by spreading the truth. This week, we've got a very interesting show for you. It's based off a quote by Antonio Gramsci, who of course was the Italian communist that kind of laid out the framework of how if you wanted to take over a Christian country with communism, you had to do things in a different way. And here's one of his quotes, and then I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about from this quote. Any country grounded in Judeo-Christian values cannot be overthrown until those roots are cut. Socialism is precisely the religion that must overwhelm Christianity. In the new order, socialism will triumph by first capturing the culture via infiltration of schools, universities, churches, and the media by transforming the consciousness of society, unquote. Today, we're going to talk about exposing and defeating the religion of socialism. It's the new religion. It's an old religion. It's what I believe is the final religion that will usher us in at some point to a one-world totalitarian system. But thank you again so much for joining me this week. So starting off, why is socialism a religion? A lot of people say, that's not a religion, that's an economic system, or that, that's a way of doing things. But it's not. As you study it, as Antonio Gramsci understood 90 years ago, no, it is a religion. It's all-encompassing. It, it dictates what you believe in every area of life. It is something you put your faith in and you believe will produce the utopia um, that you're promised it will produce on earth. So it is very religious. But here's a key thing that everyone needs to understand. All men and women are religious, okay? Um, the myth of atheism, that, that some people don't believe in God, is a lie. Everyone believes there is a God. And I know you say, no, <laughs> yes, it's true. I've read atheistic journals back when I was in college, and I couldn't believe how much hatred they had for God. And right at that point, I realized, you know what? You cannot hate something you do not believe exists. Their hatred proved to me that what an atheist really is, is not someone that doesn't believe in God. It's someone that hates the fact that God exists. That is what an atheist is. Even the Bible tells us this, which is our absolute authority. In the Bible, it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It doesn't say the fool believes there is no God. It says the fool has said in his heart. That means he, he just, he's trying to convince himself, oh, there's no God. 
Why would he do that? Because he doesn't want there to be a God. That's very understandable because if there is a God, you're accountable to that God. It means he's the boss. You're not the boss. You have to do what he wants instead of what you want. So it's very logical that sinful men would say, we got to get rid of God. We, we've got to get him out of the situation. If we want to do what we want to do, he cannot exist. I was looking in the dictionary and the definition of religious is this. It's relating to or manifesting faithful devotion to an acknowledged ultimate reality or deity. So it's just, it's, it's, a, it's putting faith and you're devoted to some kind of reality. Well, that's what communism is. That's what everything is. Everything is religious because everything that we believe, whether it's true or false, is something we are putting our faith in, we're being committed to with the devotion of our time, our treasures, our talents. And so therefore it's religious. Um, the Supreme Court years ago even said that secular humanism is a religion. And of course, it's being taught in all of our government schools. And there's supposed to be a separation of church and state. At least that's what they say. But that religion is allowed in there. Now, some key people involved in setting up the parameters of this religion of socialism were Jean-Jacques Rousseau, and he was one of the kind of godfathers of the French Revolution, of course, which was one of the key influencers on Karl Marx. And as we've talked about in the past, Marxism was pretty much just Karl Marx studying the French Revolution and looking at all the things they did to tear apart a society to rebuild it the way they wanted it. And he tried to put those philosophies and ideas down into the Communist Manifesto to, as a kind of a guidebook for the future. If you want to have another French Revolution, this is what you must do. And so that's all that that was. But he, of course, believed, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, that man was naturally good. So that, And that's one of the fundamental building blocks, which we've also had a whole show on talking about, of the left. Man is naturally good, um, and he's only corrupted because of a bad environment. That's why they want total control of everything, because they feel if they get control of everything, where they're the only influencer, the environment is perfect from their point of view, then there'll be no more evil, which of course is crazy. And he believed that the state itself was God. It should have that totalitarian control that God has so it can dictate the environment the way it wants to dictate it. And then this utopia will be created. That's what they always say. So he was one of the key people that influenced this and then influenced Karl Marx, which of course influences us today and all the different ramifications of Marxism. But then George Hegel, of course, as a lot of people know, he was a great influence of Marx. And he said this, the state is God walking on earth. <laughs> Very humble view of government. That's why it's always so evil when people that believe these ideas come to power because they believe they are God. And God can do whatever he wants, so they feel they can do whatever they want. They define what is right and wrong. They define the way things are going to be done. He also said, the state is the self-certain absolute mind which recognizes no authority but its own, which acknowledges no abstract rules of good and bad, shameful and mean, cunning and deceit. 
God is who they want to be, or they are defining those things. That's why they hate the Bible, because God has already outlined good and bad, shameful, mean, cunning, deceitful, morality, family, everything, and they hate it. And so that's some foundational things that help make Karl Marx who he was. Of course, Marx said, I wish to avenge myself against the one who rules above. My chief objective is to dethrone God and abolish capitalism. So Marx, there's fantasizing about destroying the kingdom of God. In, in one of his poems called Human Pride, he said this, Then I will walk triumphantly like a god through the ruins of their kingdom. Every word of mine is fire and action. My breast is equal to that of the Creator. He was obviously demon-possessed, as most of these guys were, um, to be able to so eloquently and evilly present these ideas to appeal to the flesh of men so they would continue on after they were gone. Socialism is so deadly. It's something that's going to destroy everything. It's not just an economic system. It's all-encompassing, and it will take down everything. Richard Wormbrandt, who we've talked about on here, and hopefully you're familiar with his book, Tortured for Christ. He was in prison in communist countries, Romania primarily, for 14 years being tortured almost daily. For 14 years. And he after having gone through those experiences, thought, how is this communist system so evil? He couldn't even comprehend how evil and ruthless it was. So he went out to study, where did this come from? And people told him, oh, Karl Marx is the one that came up with the modern idea of communism. So he started studying Karl Marx. He wanted to know, where did this come from? And he wrote a book called Marx and Satan. And where he then said, oh, this is what Karl Marx is all about. And he says, Marx set aside all contact with God and instead put Satan in front of the marching proletarian columns. It is essential at this point to state emphatically that Marx and his comrades, while anti-God, were not atheist, as present-day Marxists claim to be. That is, while they openly denounced and reviled God, they hated a God in whom they believed, and they did not question his existence, but rather challenged his supremacy. They wanted to be in his place. It's just that simple. What did Satan want to do? Why did he fall from heaven? I want to be like the Most High. I'm not happy to be here reflecting his glory. I want his glory. I want to be him. <laughs> and so it's an age-old problem. Uh, pride causes you not to see your own faults and to lift yourself up. You start to believe you are perfect because all you can see is the error of other people and then you will end in destruction. That's why the Bible says pride goeth before destruction because it's the root of that. One other key individual that fits into this modern religion of socialism was Friedrich Nietzsche. And he said, God is dead. God remains dead, and we have killed him. So very humble man also, just like Karl Marx and all the others. Um, but again, he did not believe that himself. 
but he thought, well, we can at least kill the idea of God. We cannot kill God, but we can kill man's belief in God, which will then allow us still to be God. And John Dewey, I mean, the, the, the father of our government schools, the influence he's had today in setting up a system to train our children to be wards of the state is amazing. But he said, quote, Man is at last becoming aware that he alone is responsible for the realization of the world of his dreams. He's saying man is in total control. Man must, if he wants heaven, he has to make it on earth for himself. Um, he also said, quote, God is a faded piece of metaphysical goods. God's done. I, we don't have time for him. We have to do our own thing. And then one other key player was John Paul Sartre. And these people are all key because they're the ones philosophizing and slowly poisoning the traditional way of thinking, the traditional way we'd always done things, the traditional way that America and its Judeo-Christian foundations saw the world and therefore how we, we behaved and what we did. And so these people were key people that poison the well. But he said, the retrospective illusion has been smashed to bits. Martyrdom, salvation, and immortality are falling to pieces. The edifice is going to rack and ruin. I colored the Holy Ghost in the cellar and threw him out. Atheism is a cruel and long-range affair. I think I've carried it through. His religion of atheism, which is, again, hating the idea that God exists, he says is cruel and a long-range affair. Yeah, it sure is. It's for all eternity in hell. And he goes, I think I've carried it through. He said, forget salvation, forget living forever, eternal life through Jesus Christ. Forget all that stuff. Just live for today, throw the Holy Ghost out, and it's going to be long and cruel. <laughs> He's right about that. And something else he said that fits right into that is everything is possible if God does not exist. If God does not exist, we find no values or commands to turn to which legitimize our conduct. He doesn't want anything to be legitimized like, oh, that was kind what you did, or that was helpful, or that was the right thing to do. He doesn't want commands, the Ten Commandments. He doesn't want values. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. Of course not. So if God doesn't exist, that's why they don't want there to be a God. That's exactly why. He's, he's thinking rightly and that if there's a God, then he commands us what to do. He tells us what the right values are. I don't want that. So He's out of here. So that's all this is, is rebellion against God. That's why it ends in destruction. All it is, is rebellion against God. All socialism is, in every layer of it, we're going to go through the different beliefs it has, but is rebellion against God. It's always doing it the opposite way of how he told us it should be done if we wanted to be blessed, if we wanted to prosper. And so... It's, it's, it's a religion of destruction, as all false religions are. Some are more clever than others. Some sound a little more appealing. But this one, of course, to the flesh, to the man that wants to do what he wants to do. 
and doesn't want anyone telling him no. Um, this one is, is a dream come true. So those are some of the key influencers. But where did the religion of socialism come from? Well, it has biblical roots, as most things do. Of course, first off, it started in the Garden of Eden. What was the promise? Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And really what Satan meant by that is determining good and evil. Because if you're God, you get to determine good and evil. And so right from the beginning of Genesis in the Bible, that's all this is. It's the original false religion because it appeals to the pride of man and his flesh. Whitaker Chambers, who was a man that was a communist in 1930s America and trying to infiltrate and take America down from within. He became a Christian and, and turned from communism and wrote a, a great book I encourage you to read called Witness. But someone who had been a communist was totally committed to the communist cause. 70 hours a week for no pay. Him and his wife, he talks about how committed they were to this because they believed it would create a utopia on earth. But his analysis, once he's been there and done that, then he becomes a Christian and sees by grace and through faith, the salvation and the freedom of living under God's laws and obeying his statutes and his commandments. He said, everyone is complicating things too much. There's not a million different ways of doing things. There's only two ways. You'll either do it God's way or you'll do it man's way. And that was such a simple way, just God or man. That's it. That's your only choice. That's my only choice. And that's everyone's only choice. You will do things God's way or you will do things man's way. And anytime you're not doing it God's way, and this is hard to accept, you are not, you are doing it man's way. Well, but it's not as bad. Oh, it might not sound as bad as others. But when you are in rebellion against God because you refuse to submit to him as God, then you're, you're, it's a rebellion. It might not look as bad as other people's rebellion, but ultimately it is. And that's why it's so, so deadly. So here's the reality. The religion of socialism has said we choose man. And we choose men that are elected to office to be in the form of what we call the state to have absolute authority to tell everyone what to do. And so by choosing man, they are at war with God. And I talked about that some in the agenda movies, but it's so important to know that. Um, that's why this is so scary and so deadly, because when you turn against God and shake your fist in his face, we already know what happens. We don't have to guess. We can go turn in the Bible to Sodom and Gomorrah. We can turn to the world that Noah lived in with his family where God said enough is enough. I'm killing everyone, destroying everything and giving everyone what they deserve, their payment right now at one moment. What's the payment? The wages of sin is death. When you sin, you deserve death. That's wages you've earned. You rightly deserve it. And God can meet that out to you anytime he wants. And it's total justice because that's what you deserve. It's fair, it's right, and it's good. Of course, then from the Garden of Eden, we move to the Tower of Babel. So after the flood, hopefully everything's going to be okay now. <laughs> Not for long. And they all group together and ignore what God said. He said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill 
the earth spread out. He wanted us spread out, not living in big cities and big places where it just always collapses as the world today is proof of. Every big city in the world is a cesspool of crime, corruption, filth, and evil behavior. And I don't understand that exactly, but God warns us of that. He said, when you don't spread out and take dominion over the earth, so you have a purpose in your life, you're subduing nature, you're, you're growing food, and you're doing the things he's asked you to do. When you don't do that and you just hang around other people, bad company corrupts good morals, and it always slowly slides. But they said there in Genesis 11, let us come together and make a name for ourselves. They wanted to rebel against God's command to spread out. And they wanted global communism. They wanted a new world order. No, no, we're going to do this all together, all under one authority, all in one place at one time. And here's what's neat. God said, I'm not going to allow you to do that. And what a clever way he foiled their plans. He gave them all a different language, different tongues. So there's groups of them. All of a sudden, all the languages of the world, they're speaking the different ones. And they have to group together with those that, oh, he's speaking French. He's speaking German. Oh, I understand what he's saying. And by doing that, what a clever way to get everyone to spread out and then group together in different nations and boundaries. He wanted there to be different nations. He didn't want it all unified under one evil system. He wanted it to be many, many, many small groups of men forming together, ha having the commonality of language and, and of, of culture and of beliefs so they could work together to build and to use their talents and abilities to bless their families and to bless each other and to worship him and obey him and what he's asked us to do. So anyway, that's kind of where it originally came from in the biblical roots. So it's nothing new at all. Now going into a key area, we're going to contrast the difference between the religion of socialism and biblical Christianity. Dr. Dr. Noble, who was a good friend of mine since I was a little boy, he wrote a book called Understanding the Times, where he talked about the different worldviews of the different religions and the different ways of doing things. So you could understand in these different categories what you believe, first of all, but then you would understand what other people believe. So when they're talking, you would know who they are. If someone's speaking Marxism to you, they might not know they're Marxists because today a lot of people don't even know who they are or what they believe, but you'll hear them say stuff and you realize, okay, that person's a Marxist whether they know it or not. They're speaking Marxist philosophy. They're, they're, they're talking about the world as if they're looking at it through a Marxist worldview. The religion of socialism overlaps with a lot of the Marxist worldview, a lot of the secular humanist worldview, and a lot of kind of the cosmic new age humanist worldview. It, they're kind of a blend of a lot of things. But first category is theology. Of course, as Bible-believing Christians, we believe in theism. That means there is a God, there's only one God, and he is all-powerful. And so, but they believe kind of in atheism, some of them say that. And then some of them believe it more in the pantheism. And I think it's moving more toward that. Atheism is a hard sell to most people 
unless you're just really hardcore and rebellion against God, because you just look around and you see the trees and you see the birds, you know, there's kind of got to be something here. And so pantheism, of course, is pantheism is a doctrine that the universe conceived of as a whole is God. So there, there's, there's no God specifically and stuff, but just substance and force and laws and all these things that they see happening. They go, well, that's God just magically, but there's not a specific personal God because they don't want there to be one because they would be accountable to him. So they've kind of changed him into a force that's just kind of there and it's in, he's in everything. And that's their explanation. Well, that's how things work. Then in philosophy, as Bible-believing Christians, we believe in the supernatural. We believe that God spoke everything that exists into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we see the evidence of that all around us. And so, but that's what we believe. They believe kind of a blend of naturalism and non-naturalism. What are those? These are important. I know they're obscure terms, but just listen, because these are important for you to know. Naturalism is something that a lot of authors, when they're writing about it, they emphasize man's accidental physiological nature rather than his moral or rational qualities. And so it's just, just kind of a, a, like an animal world. Like animals just do whatever they feel like doing, whenever they feel like doing it. There's no purposefulness in it and it doesn't really matter. Non-naturalism says that there's no way to determine good from bad. There's no justification for moral beliefs. And so it's a, it's a belief in a system of total confusion. So whatever you believe is good for you and whatever I believe is good for me. And there's no one that can say my ideas are bad or good or yours are bad or good or anything. And that's kind of what they say they believe. Although if you believe in biblical Christianity, they will say, how dare you? You're wrong in that. So they're contradictory in everything that they do. But that's kind of their philosophy of how things work in the world. Number three, ethics. We believe in absolutes. The Ten Commandments. And God said, here is how things are to operate. We believe in those. There, of course, they believe in moral relativism. Everything is just relative. Sometimes it's wrong to murder, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's wrong to tell a lie, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's wrong to cheat on your wife, and sometimes it's not. It's just, it's all rel relative. So again, there's no standard of anything. Basically, it's whatever you think's okay is okay. Again, that, that's the whole root of this entire thing, because man wants to do what man wants to do. So they love the moral relativism, but they also lump in with that, especially those that are part of the socialist religion, but coming from more of a communistic point of view is anything that advances the communist conquest is right and good. Anything. So kill, lie, steal, whatever. If you are advancing the communist cause, it is therefore by its very action, a good thing, period. And so that's lumped in there, which is, again, doing whatever you think is right. And they're just defining that in their goal for world communism, justifying their actions. Biology, number four, we believe in creation. We believe there is a creator. Man is made in God's image, and that's what gives us priceless value. And they believe in Darwinian evolution and that 
everything is just evolving and transitioning and we are just an evolved animal and therefore their mass slaughters of people aren't really that big a deal because in the end we're all just dead anyway it doesn't really matter number five psychology we believed in the in the mind and the body god created us we are accountable for our thoughts as the bible tells us um, in in our body and controlling our actions and being purposeful in what we do they believe in some different things here that i want to just talk about briefly one is called self-actualization okay and this is the process of becoming everything you're capable of becoming that's so generic. You're like, what? Everyone has to find their own unique ways to hear the inner wisdom that can help them live a life of truth. Okay? Only you can determine what self-actualization means to you. It's psychobabble, of course, as you can tell. It's meaninglessness. There's no definition of it. It's just whatever your heart tells you to do. Well, the Bible says... He that followeth his own heart is a fool. <laughs> and, and it's telling you that's the foundation of life. Follow your heart. Behaviorism, this is another aspect of their uh, psychology. Behaviorism focuses on modifying observable behavior rather than thoughts and feelings of the patients. So what is it? It's like training a dog. Sit. Stay. Come. They just obey. That's what they want us to be like. That's what they're trying to do to our children in the schools. It's, we don't care what their thoughts are, what their feelings are. We just want obedience. How can we just train them to behave? And how do they do that? By creating enough fear. We just do what we're told. Even if it doesn't make sense, obey. It's, that's all this is, behaviorism. They love it. It's totally manipulating us for instant obedience without thinking, without feeling, without understanding. In this approach, emotional problems are thought to result from faulty acquired behavior patterns or the failure to learn effective responses. The aim of behavior therapy, also known as behavior modification, is therefore to change behavior patterns. That's what the government school system is all about. That's the only thing it is about changing behavior patterns just making you obey that's why our children are so manipulated and indoctrinated in the schools they're not just dumbed down where they don't have a good education they have a bad education but then they also have their mind has been manipulated to obey and to be fearful of everything and the government and look to the government as the solution to the problem and then lastly, in that area of psychology, and psychology is an important one because that's all the game, mind games and stuff to manipulate people. That's where you brainwash and manipulate. But it's, it's collective consciousness. And there, the, the religion of socialism is a blend of those three things. But here is what is collective consciousness. And this was written by Antonio Gramsci, also the Italian communist, knowing how to manipulate people. Although identity-based movements are necessary for the progress of democracy and can generate collective consciousness, they cannot completely do so without a unifying framework. 
This is why anti-war and labor movements provide an avenue that has united various social movements under the banner of a multiple collective consciousness. This is also why future social movements need to have an ethos of collective consciousness if they are to succeed in the long term. Do you understand that last bit there? That's BLM. That's what this is. If you want your movement to su succeed, it has to have this collective consciousness that, that becomes what it is. That's who you are. I'm or the Black Lives Matter movement. You're not individuals anymore. You're a dark skin. You're not an individual person. You don't have your own thoughts and feelings and, and purpose. You're just part of this move, this collective consciousness. So that is a key avenue that they use uh, to really control people and to get them to do whatever they want them to do. Okay, and then wrapping up the last few ones of these. Number six, sociology. They're the religion of socialism wants to abolish the traditional family, church, and state, just like the communists do. Abolish that, redefine it, and then we are for the traditional family, church, and state. Number seven, law. We're about biblical law, natural law, the law you can observe in the universe um, that God has set in place there, and they are about positive and self-law, which is means government makes laws, or you yourself make laws. God doesn't make laws. It's either the state making laws, or then some of the people in it even feel like, no, they can't even tell me what to. It's just me, self. I, I am the ultimate authority. I decide what is law and what is right and wrong. Number eight, politics. We're for justice, freedom, law, and order. God designed us to be free, for things to be just, and law and order to rule the actions of men. And that's why he gave us all the ones that we need to know about in the Bible. They are for a new world order. They, want to, 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 they don't want the old world. They want to totally redo everything into a new world order. And it's really what's creeping into this too is the religious aspect of the new age where you're starting to worship the creation, of course, instead of the creator and things like that. Number nine, economics, of course, we believe as biblical Christians, we believe in the stewardship of property. Why do we believe that? Because God said we will give an account. Everything he has given us, we are just stewarding for him. We didn't bring anything into this world and we're not taking anything out. Did you steward what I gave you while you were on this earth? whether it's our children, our marriages, our property, our possessions, our talents and abilities, what did you do with them? We will give an account. They, of course, their economic system is socialism. Just, just, just share everything and mixed with communism of, of just everything needs to be equitable or it's not just equal, but it's equitable, which means we all end up in the same place, which is impossible without totalitarian government. And then number 10, history, our view of history. We believe there was a resurrection, which defines our entire history, it defines our entire reality. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we know that there is life eternal. We know that, that this world was set up by him 
and for him, and we are to simply be doing what he has asked us to do and to follow him and to glorify him. And that's our view of history. From in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth until the end of time. And when there's a new heavens and a new earth, they believe evolution, everything from nothing by accident, is slowly changing us until eventually we will reach Godhood. We will become the Superman that Nietzsche talked about. And it's a lie, but it's an easy sell because that sounds good to people. Oh, yeah, no consequences. And we're all progressing toward Superman. So here's the, here's the bottom line. Their salvation is accomplished through activism, through your involvement in creating this utopia on earth. They say man saves man by action. We say God saves man and that God has made heaven for his children. And they say, no, we're going to create a heaven here on this earth. We will do it our way. And it doesn't work that way. The promised utopia always creates death and destruction. In Proverbs 8, it says, All they that hate me love death. <laughs> Again, it's God or man. And if you choose man over God, you love death, whether you know it or not. The thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So what do we do to combat this? Well, a few key things. These are key. We need to realize that every area today is a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual war. I think I've heard that before somewhere, haven't you? <laughs> Ephesians 6 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Boy, isn't that the truth? Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. That's, that's, that's our marching orders. God said, you're in a battle and you need to stand up in the spiritual battle with all the armor on that it talks about there and standing for truth. We need to stand against their lies because we're supposed to love our neighbor. And when someone's speaking lies to our neighbor, we have to say, no, that's a lie. That is not true. I love you. Here's what the truth is. You will give an account one day. And I want you to know that because I love you. And then... It's one more thing that lets all of us know. Even some of you watching might think, I don't have much influence on anything. You have so much more influence than you'll ever could, you ever could imagine. Because your life, you doing things God's way, you living a Christian life is the most powerful thing we can do. It's the most powerful thing we can do to dispel the darkness of their lives because they are speaking lies and their stuff does not produce life. It produces death and none of their systems work and it doesn't go that way. But when we submit to God 
and do it his way, he is going to bless those efforts when we're just doing the right thing because it's the right thing and for the right reason to glorify him. That's the greatest thing we can do to stand in this day that, that is evil, like the Bible told us it would be. So in summary, here's a key thing to remember from this episode. Socialism is a false religion. It's based on man being God instead of God being God. And the problem with that is God is perfect. God does know everything. God, every thought, every word, every deed. So he can be equitable. He can do things exactly the right way because he has all information and all power and, and everything. They don't. So for them to be God, they have to be totalitarian. They have to be abusive. They have to be controlling because they don't know what we're thinking. They don't want, know what our motives are. They don't know, you know, what we're doing and, and everything. And so it sets up a system that necessarily, like it always has every time we've seen in the last hundred years, that is so evil and so abusive of man and so harmful to the very people that we're supposed to be blessed by it. Every problem in our society if we really wanted to fix it and make it better and move in the right direction, we would simply do the things God has asked us to do. They act like all oh, the problems are environmental. No, most of the problems in America are because of the breakdown of the family. But they don't ever address that issue because they don't want to acknowledge the way God designed things is the right way and is the only way that works. You want to stop youth from destroying your country? You build strong families and you build strong churches that help build strong families. But those are the two things they're getting rid of and replacing them with what? More regulation, more government control, more laws to try to control man. You can never pass enough laws to control man. That's why when you do it man's way in the God versus man, it always ends in totalitarian, absolute dictatorship because that's where it has to end because you cannot create enough laws to control the evil heart of man. So anyway, thank you so much again for listening. I hope that was a blessing, helping you understand this spiritual battle and what socialism really is. It is a totalitarian religion that we are walking down the road of right now in this country, and it, and it ends in death. So we need to stand against it. I want to also let you know um, that we've got gift cards available right now. If you'd like to give a four-month or a 12-month subscription of Agenda Weekly to family or friends, that's available now right on the website there at agendaweekly.com. We also encourage you to share Agenda Weekly with like-minded family and friends, people that you think would enjoy what we're doing here and all the different things we provide. If you'd tell them about us and maybe encourage them to join, it would be a great blessing to us because you know so many people that we don't know and we don't have any way of getting out past our circle of influence without your help. So I just wanted to ask you to consider sending an email out or whatever to several different friends that you know are like-minded, you know could benefit from what we're trying to do here, and that would be a great blessing to us. But uh, thank you. We appreciate you greatly. We pray for you. Please pray for us. Please pray for me and all the things God has given me to do that I'll be faithful, I'll have the energy I need, and, and I'll stay healthy and well to be able to accomplish what God's given me to do. But until next week, God bless you.